This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Welcome in, ladies and gentlemen, to another edition of the Go 24-7 podcast. I'm Billy Embody. We're in the thick of spring football practice, but... LSU's basketball season just ended Monday night at the hands of one seed Michigan. A tough loss for LSU. They just couldn't sustain the leads they had. They had some issues uh, that that popped up during the course of the year at the wrong times against Michigan. The careless turnover here or there, or some foul troubles, and they just couldn't sustain the lead. And ultimately, the one seed did what it has done much of the year, which is win basketball games. And so Michigan moves on to the Sweet 16. LSU season is over. I'm Billy Embody. With me is Shay Dixon. We are going to really reflect on the season as a whole just because, and Shay and I talked about this before the, the podcast, I, we think the, the loss to Michigan was, one, LSU came out as well as they could have uh, came out against Michigan. They certainly didn't sustain it as well as you would have liked to see if you were a Tiger fan, but they still lost to a really good team. There wasn't too much to complain about. I mean, three turnovers in the game for LSU – uh, they had a couple critical, uh, a couple critical fouls and and a critical turnover, but you know for the most part it was just a physical basketball game. It was a really high quality NCAA tournament game overall, but LSU just couldn't get it done. So Shay, and I asked Will Wade this about the season, what he'll remember, but he just kind of told me, look, the the way the guys battled through the pauses, through this, through that, through losing some non conference games uh, to COVID and things like that. He was he's he just told the guys after the game how proud he was of them. I think this team was starting to play some really good basketball. They just hadn't turned that corner enough to get to the Sweet 16 to move on to, and to really make this a special season. Yeah, let's well look. I was booting up all season for him because uh, we didn't get to do it a year ago, so it was fun to watch the tournament. You just said that, and I I was read the transcript that you posted on Go 24-7 of the entire press conference. And Wade mentioned this, uh, that they played in 29 games. He was excited they got that many in. Who are the two guys who played in every single game this year? You tell me. Gosh, I I, I, I wouldn't even know. Um, I would think Watford and Cam Thomas. So I guess Watford missed a game the stretch. I'm on the LSU stat page, so if it's wrong, you can – yell at Ken or Todd Pulitz or somebody. Um, Eric Gaines and Cam Thomas were the only people who played in all 29. Javante, Trendon, Days all had 28. And I guess Days, so Days got injured, missed a game. There might have been a game or two. And I guess Smart and Watford were both out of game as well. I found that interesting that those were the only two who played in every game. But it was uh, to get in nearly 30 games with this season, I thought was uh, was great. I thought that they got, you know, to go to a postseason, have a whole SEC tournament, not be – uh, sent home early because you lose or because of any sort of COVID shutdown. They got all the way to the chamber. They got to Indianapolis. They didn't have any hiccups there uh, with any sort of COVID protocols. You know, we saw the Oregon VCU game. You would have hated for that, you know, to be how the season ended. Uh, so it was fun to watch. I wish that 
one thing looking back, I wish that it would have been a full stadium all year at the PMAC and people could have gotten to see Javante presumably for a final time and, and the big three or four and, and really Cam Thomas, who the Ben Simmons era like really left a sour taste in people's mouths and they got to go watch him play every game. And uh, obviously Cam Thomas is uh, going to be a top 15 range pick and going to be a really good NBA player, a true scorer, and it would have been fun to to pack the PMAC for people to, to be able to witness that. But, uh, but boy, it was a good season, as you said. And I think it's fair to say this way. And like people were in the live thread last night and I was at walk-ons and everyone in the building was screaming about the refs and, and you know, this, that, and the other. But at the end of the day, they got beat by a team that was better than they were. That was a one seed. And I don't know if there was a time, Billy, I was, I was asking actually a couple of the LSU SIDs, was there a time they were even ranked this year? Maybe they were ranked for a week or so, but this is a team that got slotted, what, 28th, 29th in terms of the 64 overall seeds, whatever it might have been. Uh, they get to the round of 32. They don't get to the round of 16 by losing to a, a number one seed. It's just kind of how it goes. You got beat by a better team. Uh, I thought it was fun, at least, that they were in it. They were out front. Just kind of set the pace in the first half. And uh, obviously, some some familiar things bit them at the end. Uh, we were talking about this before the call, and and you said it well there, that um, they didn't close out on some shooters and Wade was like, look, it wasn't like they were setting up in the half court and inside out and us and knocking down threes. They were getting in transition and we weren't rotating or covering the right guy and, and they're hitting shots. And when you're leaving what the number one free throw shooting team or excuse me, three point shooting team in the conference wide open, they're going to make buckets. And eventually kind of the game, you had some breaks, the Cam Thomas, we talked about that, the charge call uh, where he kind of came across the top of the key and uh, ends up catching, you know, bumping the guy and, and he falls, you know, almost flops and they call it for Michigan and things like that certainly shifted it. But LSU didn't score enough down the stretch. I didn't think this team was going to go win a national championship. We all said Sweet 16 would have been a really successful season. But I think you can also understand that you said that before knowing they were going to play a one seed who is extremely well coached, who has a deep bench. And uh, Billy, when 74 of your 78 points are scored by four of your starters. Um, a team like Michigan can run you out the building kind of quickly. Right. LSU just ran out of gas. And I think, you know, the Javante Smart turnover, and we're, we're not going to talk about the game too much, but the the one turnover behind, you know, in between his legs or whatever, that was critical because they had a chance to go up, I think, like seven and really make, you know, you know put the gas pedal down. But when you look at this, it season, was clear. Yeah. It was clear, too. He, he was hurting in that area at that Correct. time. So the between Correct. the legs did not seem like the smartest task no. to do for me. No, no, no. Yeah, that was uh, uh, awkward uh, to say the least. But you look at this season and, you know, the, the, the loss to Texas Tech was one that they wanted back. Uh, they, they lost, um, you know, a, a close one on the road to Florida. They had those, those losses, that loss at Georgia. Uh, they had their moments where they just couldn't put it all together and it really hurt them without some quality non-conference wins. But down the stretch of the season, after they had those two tough losses against Georgia and Arkansas, they took care of business against Vanderbilt, took care of business against a Missouri team. That was a difficult matchup for them. They uh, went into the SEC tournament and, and beat Arkansas, who's still playing in the NCAA tournament. Uh, they beat Ole Miss, uh, which was – you know, a tough team for them to really match up with. And then they gave Alabama all they can handle. Um, I, I think I'm going to look back on this season and, and just think that 
you know, ifs and buts, but if they would have had a couple more games of non-conference, and mind you, we talked about this before the, we started the pod, three of the, I believe, five canceled or postponed non-conference games were against teams that ended up playing in the NCAA tournament, North Texas, VCU, and Texas Southern. So a difficult kind of pill to swallow for them. They could have built a better resume. It could have been a better seed. They also could have been a worse seed. So um, if you want to look at it like that, but I, I think Cam Thomas was everything that he was brought in to be. I mean, you know, everybody wants to say, you know, ball hog, whatever. When you're that good at what you do, that's why you're there. I think he took some of the pressure off of Trenton Watford, who was able to have a better year. My, in my opinion, Javante Smart didn't have to do as much. Um, Darius Days was one that I, I think I really wanted to see more out of. I, I mean, I've said this now for a couple of years, and I guess if if Darius Days does come back for next year, and we'll see, I think out of the four, he'd be the most likely to return. I've said this, that I think he could be one of the better four-year guys that LSU's had in a while, but it's all, it comes and it goes. And again, he didn't top the double-digit mark. LSU lost, and I went into the game, and I joined uh, our Michigan site on their podcast before. And I said, if Darius Day scores uh, double digits, it's it's a good bet. LSU's going to win the game, 18-1 uh, and one or 19-1, and one, I believe they are, when he does it. So they just didn't get enough from from key guys, and I think, you know, the Josh Gray was a true freshman, didn't bring enough in the front court. Brian Penn Johnson was a complete failure of a, you know, just experiment, I guess, bringing him in. Uh, there were high expectations, but he didn't even, I don't think he even think he lasted until end of November uh, and, and he was gone. So that was two guys that I think Will Wade, probably, especially in Penn Johnson's case, wanted a little bit more out of, could have been, that physical presence uh, that they needed maybe in the paint. But uh, this team just, it, when it came time to, to tournament, uh, for the tournament, the NCAA tournament, they just didn't have enough pieces to sustain and keep the gas pedal down like they needed to. Yeah, and it was fun. It was a fun season to watch. And Javante Smart hitting the 1,000-point career mark. I guess that was back at the Tennessee game uh, or somewhere in that stretch at the end of the season. Um, you're imagining, right, that we're, coming to an end for Cam Thomas is going to be a lottery pick, but the Wadfords, the Javante smarts, and then the Darius Daisis. I think that uh, we know that Cam's going pro. Is there a gut feel? But, and I guess more importantly, what do they have to wait? Is there like draft workouts again, or have they gone through it too many times? I know there was like a cap there. Catch, uh, I guess, catch all of us up on that. What's the outlook on what's a timeline when these guys might have to do something? Javante Smart and Darius Days, I believe, have exhausted their uh, NBA draft uh, workouts. I think Days might have one. He was the only one that didn't declare, I think. Remember that year uh, when everything went around with Will Wade? He was the one that was like, oh, I'm coming back. Don't worry. Um, I yep. think that was him. So he might have one more. But Javante has done it both offseason. So he, um, I, I believe, if he wants to go, he's going, um, which I, I, I could see him going. Um, I, I, I don't know if there's a, there's a reason he should come back. Um, I, I don't, I don't know. I think as he gets older, I don't think that helps him, um, in the long term of, of making money. Trendon Watford has another, uh, exploratory time to go with the NBA. 
uh, so he can go through all of that. And hopefully they have, you know, actual draft workouts this year and can do all those things. Uh, the, the last year, the decision window was delayed so much that it was August. Uh, if I remember correctly, when Trendon Watford uh, decided he was coming back, I'll look that up right now, but uh, you know, th- these guys, uh, I think one, uh, you mentioned Cam Thomas, he's gone. Trendon Watford, he's, I would be really surprised. Yes, August 3rd, Trendon Watford uh, back at LSU. So we'll see what kind of how they do do it this year. I think it would more likely than not get back uh, to a more um, a, a more uh, regular uh, schedule. But um, that was uh, August was the deadline last year um, for that during COVID and all of that as they went through um, that. But the 2021 NBA um, uh, draft is is still something that they're working through, I think, and, and much with anything, it's probably fluid. These guys have some time, though. They have some time to go through these workouts and go through uh, meetings with NBA teams and, and get the feedback. And it's not all about the NBA. It's also the pro aspect of it, too. There's money to be made in Europe. Like I said, I don't know how much sense it makes for Javante Smart to go off or to return to LSU. I think he can go make money in Europe more likely than not. At the end of the day, though, he's still a big physical guard that uh, can probably add some versatility uh, to uh, a roster at the pro level. And Trenton Watford kind of reminds me of Nas Reed, except he wasn't a one and done. He's just got that skill. And uh, if he continues to develop his explosiveness explosiveness and athleticism, uh, he could end up playing a while in the league as as much as – some LSU fans might not agree with that. That's It's a projection league uh, for the most part when you get down into the second-round pick range, which I think Watford, if he gets drafted, would be. Um, but Darius Days, if he can put it all together for a fourth year, I think he's got some money to be made uh, if he can have a strong finish to his LSU career because – you know, Darius, I mean, he's he's called the mayor around campus. You know, he's 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 always always got a smile on his face. And I, I don't know, uh, we'll we'll continue to track Darius. But out of the four, I, I think maybe there's a chance he comes back. But obviously, if three of the big four aren't there, uh, maybe there's you know that maybe he says, you know what, I'll, I'll go ahead and, and I'll move on too. but, you know, the the future of LSU, I still think is is pretty bright. You know, one thing Will Wade can do is get players. And you look at this 2021 class that they have, and they've got really the cornerstone, I, I would think, is Jarrell Colbert, especially if you lose, if you do end up losing Days and Watford. He's a 6'9", 210 center uh, playing in uh, Tennessee right now. Uh, he's a top 100 prospect. Uh, he's been really, really good for a long time. Uh, he's been a national guy since he was a sophomore. Brandon Murray was somebody they signed out of IMG Academy and uh, really the last year or so he blew up and he's now just on the edge of being a top 100 prospect. Uh, he's got some tools. He's got some size. He's, he's kind of a four year Charles Manning type uh, that can step in on the wing and step in at the two uh, and things like that. I don't know uh, if he's going to pack that scoring punch that Cam Thomas certainly brought uh, by any means, but he is going to step in on uh, in the backcourt there. Bradley as a Wiro, uh, he was teammates with Cam Thomas, but he opted to reclassify to 2021. We'll kind of monitor him. He's more of somebody that uh, I think could end up being um, 
you know, a role player coming off the bench still needs to develop. He's still very young, um, but he's a six, eight, 230 pound big man. And then they added Alex fudge at the, uh, at the uh, semester. And he is really talented. He is somebody that when you look at his frame and you look at his size, uh, he is, uh, he's really, really something. And um, I think, you know, when you look at, you know, the job that Greg Golden does with a lot of these guys at LSU, as long as he packs on weight, he's going to be a really good one. He's a borderline top 50 prospect, 6'8", 180 pounds. Uh, and then finally they added Seneca Knight, um, a transfer uh, originally from Lafayette, came over from uh, San Jose State, and he's got some uh, really nice tools about him that he could play that three spot and, and, and bring some depth there too. So uh, future is bright. Uh, for LSU going into, into next year, Shay. Yeah, well, let's, uh, okay, so this is what people have been asking. And Sonny wrote a piece on this. We'll have uh, for the site at Go247. You can read it there. It's called What LSU Basketball Could Look Like Next Season. Uh, we'll have plenty of recruiting breakdowns, obviously, from Billy. We've got some stuff coming this week on just the roster as a whole and how they fared. Uh, but people keep asking, all right, who are these new guys? And, and let it make some sense to me in layman's terms. So, I figured this would be easy. I'll offer you up these new guys. You tell me either on this year's team or the past, you know, Will Wade era of teams, who this player, you know, what his role would be. So that I think people could then understand it uh, a little bit better. And, and let's start with Fudge. He's a guy who a lot of people are talking about on the board. Uh, came Comes out of high school, came out of high school, uh, highly ranked, what, top number 56, so almost a top 50 player on the 24-7 composite. Listed at about 6'8", six, 6'7", six, let's call him 6'7", six, 6'8", six, 175, 180, combo forward. Uh, what is the Alex Fudge role? It's fairly similar to Trent and Watford in terms of how they'll use him. Now, he doesn't have that size uh, or, or in terms of um, you know weight that Trent and Watford came in with. And he's a finesse player like Watford. But the thing about Alex Fudge is, is he's got the athleticism. And that's where I look at. Uh, him a little bit differently. He's got that explosiveness. I think at some times, you know, Trendon, who is very skilled, able to handle the basketball, do all those things, but he doesn't necessarily have that explosiveness at times to get by guys or to create that extra bit of separation. That's where I think Alex Fudge is a little different. I, I think uh, with, a, with a full offseason in that weight room with Greg Golden, and he's already been there for, for a few months now, he'll be able to put on enough weight to make an impact next year. I don't necessarily know if he's going to be a starter, but he is, he is, uh, when you talk about a pro- it bringing a projection game, uh, it's, it's, he's what you want. Uh, I think in that three, four combo forward uh, type of player, he's got the athleticism to play out on the perimeter with a three. Uh, he's got the size and the length to play with a four. Uh, he just needs to pack on that weight. So, I mean, he's somebody that's kind of very similar to Eric Gaines. He's the forward version of Eric Gaines. They want him to put on weight, but he has all the tools that you look at him and you just say, wow, he is he is so exciting. He's not going to jump out of the gym like Marlon Taylor did when he came in, but he's got that athleticism and that quickness to be uh, a really, really good player down the line. Yeah, one guy that uh, we'll, we'll slide here to Brandon Murray. And he had, what, played up in Baltimore. He was at the IMG Academy, signed with LSU back in November. Uh, and you had written a number of pieces on him. But when Wade went on the record, he said, 
look, yes, he's a prolific scorer. He's a great shooter. Um, but his quote was, he's one of the hardest workers I've ever recruited, a rugged, tough player on both ends. Then I look him up and he's 6'5", 200 as a shooting guard. What's the Brandon Murray comp? Okay, I'm not putting expectations on him like this, but he reminds me of Skylar Mays in terms of the way he's wired. I don't think he's got as much point guard in him. I, I still think he's kind of in that two range for them. Uh, can play, you know, a, a little bit of the combo combo guard. But look, I mean, you don't <laughs> – you're, you're a really good basketball player if you're Mr. Maryland in basketball, and that's exactly what Brandon Murray was before he ended up taking a post-grad year at IMG. And he's risen up the rankings. But look, when you're playing post-grad, you know, just you're not on that, like, highly, highly ranked – IMG Academy team, which is fine. He needed another year of development and he's getting really good coaching down there at IMG. So I expect him to play some minutes. I think he's got uh, the size that you want in the SEC. Sometimes, you know, whether it was Eric Gaines, you know, being needing weight uh, or Jalen Cook just kind of being undersized a little bit at times. Brent, you can throw Brandon Murray out there a little bit more and it, and it might go a little bit, little bit better. Uh, he, can, he can fill it up. Uh, was shooting 53% from beyond the arc uh, in his final year of high school ball. And look, I kept getting calls and calls uh, this fall when, when he was playing for IMG, uh, just really just hearing a lot of praise from, from people who have watched him. And so uh, there's some upside there. Uh, again, he's got the size you want in the SEC. Uh, he's shown to shoot the ball very well. Uh, and if he can be not a three and D guy, but if he can be a threat from beyond the arc for LSU, that helped the floor spacing so much as they break in some new bigs. Uh, Brandon Murray, I'm, I'm pretty high on him. Uh, and, and again, I think when you add a player with that level of work ethic, I mean, it, it reminds me of Skylar Mays. He's somebody that he, even if he comes in and doesn't make a true immediate impact, I think he's just going to keep chipping away, chipping away um, and, and makes a solid impact, impact down the line. You um you mentioned uh, well you mentioned all these guys but uh, mentioned Seneca Knight being a, a North Side guy Lafayette native he had, and we know that Will Wade said I am going to take some transfers we know that we're going to lose uh, the bulk of the scoring uh, we mentioned that uh, seventy four of the seventy eight points came from the Big Four uh, in the loss to Michigan there's a chance that none of those guys are back on the team next year so he wants to blend some veterans from elsewhere with some young guys and the first guy he brought in Seneca Knight coming from San Jose State. I see him listed at guard, 6'6", 190. What is his, what's his game? Where does he fit in for him? Yeah, he's one that I think kind of fits into that Marlon Taylor type of role. And, and here's why. I think one with his size, he can play out there on the three. Um, we, I, somebody actually asked me on the board about him about a week and a half ago. Uh, and, I, and I said, you know what, I'm going to do some digging. And, and over the last week, I was able to get a little bit of watching in and when he opted out uh, around December and ended up transferring from San Jose State, it was a big, big deal. I mean, it, it was uh, not someone they could easily replace. He was leading the team in scoring with 17 points a game. Um, I, it was, there, um, you know, it, it was, um, it was a big loss for them. And so he comes home to Louisiana, where he's going to be, uh, I think, in a better situation. San Jose State was struggling this year. Um, and so you add somebody with size, you know, my, my question would be, how does he translate athletically, um, to, 
um, LSU and to the SEC, it's a big jump. Uh, there were some consistency questions uh, from what I had done in or what I had seen in terms of research. Maybe Will Wade and that program pulls that out of him. Um, but he came on strong his freshman year, sophomore year. He was all Mountain West third team. So he he really showed that he was on the right track. And then this year, you know, things weren't going well in general for uh, San Jose State. And so this is a uh, this is a good ad. This is somebody that's getting back to uh, his home state, Lafayette area uh, native. And, you know, I think he's got uh, I think the 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 chance to start. Uh, if he can put it together athletically and, and blend right in. He's got a lot of experience. Uh, if Milwaukee Wilkinson isn't ready to take that next step, maybe it's Seneca Knight for LSU. All right, we're not forgetting about the big men here. Uh, there are a couple you mentioned as a Wiro, uh, but a guy I'm I'm pumped for is Darrell Colbert. And the composite has him as the number eight center, 24-7 has him as the number 10 center. Billy, you got a guy coming out of Memphis, 6'9", 210. So I guess he could also be a forward uh, in a sense. But you're asking, or fans are asking for a rim protector. I know that Jerry Myers said this a couple of times. You've written about it. He's considered to be about as good as there is out there uh, in terms of elite shot blockers in this 2021 class. Um, I guess what's the comp? And then what's the early expectation here for Colbert, who is among their highest rated signees? Yeah, Colbert, I've watched him a few years now, and he's got that that skill. But I think the big thing um, for me is is really his rebounding. That's that's where I think he's going to bring uh, the most. He reminds me of a less freaky Emmett Williams, if that makes sense. He has that drive to be a, a, a really good rebounder. He wants to block shots. Uh, he's got a high ceiling. And, and so I think as they develop his his offensive game even more which is at a pretty good level right now he's going to be somebody that can really um make an impact right away in my opinion i mean he's played kind of quite honestly he's played kind of all over uh he's transferred a few times but uh he's playing his his final uh uh or played his final high school season uh for actually um with mike miller's son so uh he played in tennessee and he was really highly recruited and Will Wade got him on way, got him on board way early. I believe he was a 2022 commit uh, to start. And, and so he's transferring uh, or he reclassed into 2021. Um, so he's uh, he's got all the makings of a really, really strong uh, starter for LSU right off the bat, I think. Um, and especially if they lose both of the big men. Uh, but I, I think that's probably between him and Alex Fudge, the two guys I'm most excited about in this class. Uh, and, and they are, uh, you know, two really good prospects and, and Colbert should make an impact right away. All right. Wrap us up, uh, at least for currently, uh, obviously they'll have spots left. How many TBD, uh, but Bradley as a Wiro, you called him uh, Cam Thomas's high school teammate, uh, an Oak Hill grad, uh, a center, but six, eight, two thirty. Is he a guy that probably comes in and takes some time? I think so. He's young. Um, I know he pushed back, obviously, to his uh, original high school class by by moving back to the 2021 class. Uh, he has shown improvement. Um, I just think he's somebody to, you know, I think he is a four year guy. Uh, quite honestly, he's got he's got really big size. Uh, he's got some athleticism for how big he is, and that's going to need to be continued to develop. He's a little raw offensively, but 
I think the combo of his athleticism, motor, that's going to stand out. I think motor at this level is so important, and he's got it. He just needs to get his body right, I think. He's a little undersized in a way to be a center, uh, so he's a little bit more of a four. He's about six, eight, and sometimes those are a little uh, you know, skewed. He might even be a little bit like six, seven, uh, like Emmett Williams or Darius Days. So, um, and Darius Days had to work on his body when he came into LSU. So I think he's somebody that's going to take some time to develop, but um, he does have the athleticism to, to play at this level, which is important. Well, and I, I'll wrap up here. I'll let you take back over as we, we shut things down. We just wanted to give people kind of that glimpse ahead. I should mention, though, that I guess when people see these guys, you'll be seeing them for the first time next year. A lot of people will see Alex Fudge and say, I've seen that guy before. He's already been here, right? So there's got to be some sort of, we talked to him up maybe the most. There's got to be some sort of advantage uh, in the the early enrollee type of way or, or you know, signed last year, but uh, to being on campus already. Yeah, I mean, Alex Fudge should be, you know, pushing for playing time. And, and Will Wade said if he if he hadn't promised his mom and his coach that he'd redshirt him, he'd be he'd be playing. And and by the end of the season, they really needed him. I mean, between Sharif O'Neal going down, um, you know, they needed someone else. Monty Wilkinson kind of hit a freshman wall. Uh, they needed uh, Alex Fudge. So uh, he's somebody with uh, with a really good chance to break out next year uh, as he enters what will be, I mean, his his first full season at LSU, but you know, that maybe he gets that extra boost from being an early enrollee. You're right. You, um, well, well, I'll turn it back to you and, and I'll offer you this. Um, we'll see how many spots there are, uh, but give me just number one on the list. What is the knowing that you're probably at least losing Kim, probably losing Javante. We'll see from there with Wadford and Smart. Uh, what are you circling as the thing that Will Wade has to have if he wants his team to be to getting back to where, as he said the other night, I think that I could put together a team this offseason with the guys returning that we can be right back here again, round a 32 type action. What's that position? It's center. If Will Wade wants his team to take that next step, and, and as the roster stands, I mean, it, it, they, there's going to have to be improvement and, and guys are going to have to stay healthy as well to make it back to the NCAA tournament. You talk about Sharif O'Neal. You know, staying healthy. Mwani Wilkinson has to improve. Alex Fudge continues to uh, has to continue to do what they ask of him. Uh, Eric Gaines has to put on weight and and play a little bit, um, you know, smarter. And and that'll come with with uh, experience, you would think. But I mean, gosh, he's fun to watch uh, when he's on. Uh, and then my favorite. Yeah, I mean, he, he and we massive when, Gaines fan. Yes, when he when he was signed, it was um, I there wasn't that many high majors in on it. But LSU watched him and just fell in love with him, and you could see why, and and got him on board, you know, rather quickly. So, uh, I think, you know, center is is the biggest the biggest one for me. They need a they need a not necessarily even a true rim protector, but they need somebody in there that uh, can can really be a defensive presence. They need physicality. Uh, I think back in this team, uh, Nas Reed, Cavell, Bigby Williams. I go back to those guys. And as much as as much skill as Nas Reed has, he was still a very very large man and tough to move. Uh, he was still growing as a defender. Cavell Bigby Williams was that defensive presence. They need to find somebody like that. Uh, and if he's six eleven, seven feet, that's a plus as well. But center for Will Wade, that's the big key. And then I'll also say probably a veteran point guard. And they're they're in contact with quite a few, and we'll keep you guys in the loop. 
uh, on that as, as we continue to uh, uh, and just get going really with this transfer portal this summer, which is going to be just insane. I'm excited. We'll do another pod um, in the next coming weeks where we can actually let's dive into uh, the guys who we know are coming back. So I think people are excited about uh, the gains, the Jalen Cooks, Wilkinson, Hyatt. You know, what's that next step for all those guys? LeBlanc, um, who certainly I think held certain expectations coming here from Georgetown. Does he get there, uh, you know, a year from now? So we'll we'll do that next time. We'll run it down on those guys. I'm down. Always down. We, I mean, we've got some really hardcore basketball fans on Go 24-7 uh, that, that can really uh, talk basketball, and I'm sure they're, they're going to love uh, us uh, doing a, a few more basketball pods than we normally do. And a shout-out to Nola Boy, one of our posters who was in the building in Indianapolis sitting behind the goal, uh, he and his fiance rocking the Saints jerseys. So I uh, wish it would have been a win for them. But, uh, but yeah, some, some rabid basketball fans uh, on the site. So if you're not a member yet, uh, and you do, you know, you're into the LSU basketball scene, certainly want to drop by because guys are in there every day talking on the message board about it. Yeah, no doubt. And that is a good reason to remind you guys that you can subscribe to Go 24-7 for just a dollar for your first month. You can get the rest of spring ball uh, with that month and uh, probably some critical basketball news ahead as well. So be on the lookout for that. And recruiting is always at the forefront as well. And this is a good time to remind you guys to leave us a rating, leave us a review, and give us a follow wherever you listen to your podcasts. We will be there for you. The Go 24-7 podcast. Shay, thanks for joining us. Everyone, thanks for listening. And we will catch you next time. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever. Or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic and conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.